What's up, everybody? This your boy, Demetrius Smith, and welcome to God Ambassador Ministries Podcast. This is where we have ignition for excellence. All right. So let's take off. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Demetrius Smith, a.k.a. God Ambassador, and we are today at December 4th, 2016, and we're already getting ready for the Christmas season. I know a lot of y'all are trying to work off all those extra calories and carbs that y'all took in and picked out on on Thanksgiving Day, but we are getting into the close of this year, which was an awesome year, and going into a new season and a new year and a new beginning, and I feel that God is shifting some things in the atmosphere uh, for your benefit and also for His glory, first and foremost. But before we get into our message for today, which I'm so excited to uh, talk about, it's going to reveal some things, it's going to show you more about who you are, uh, who your enemy is, and how you stand in front of being accused. And so, before we go into the scripture, I just want to give a quick thanks to everybody who is in support on Twitter, Facebook, on a website. We also had launched our podcast, um, I think it was last last month. And so I'm going to be a little bit more on the grind. We're trying to get y'all some more podcasts out because I usually just don't do once a month. But I've been having some things happening and I have I've been busy, but... Uh, just so you know, I don't get paid for this. I don't. I do this because this is a desire that God placed on my heart to pour out and to influence y'all to get to a greater level and to a greater height in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's do a quick prayer before we begin. Thank you, Father, for those who are um, hearing this podcast, wherever they are, wherever they're sitting, wherever they're standing. Um, and whatever situation they they may be in, Lord, you are still good. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you cast away any distraction and that this revelation seed uh, goes deep and it grows deep in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that you put water upon whatever you already deposited upon them and that uh, they would see uh, much manifestation of your glory, much manifestation of your goodness because you're just so awesome and we thank you lord that you open their eyes open their ears uh spiritually and they open their hearts up emotionally and even uh with the essence of who they are and that they uh just get a a stronger connection with what you're doing tonight and a stronger connection for what you are doing uh right now in this season Lord, help them to know that you are the one that keeps them from falling and presents them faultless before you. That you are the one that knocks down every wall of opposition and every mountain that gets in the way. And Lord, we just pray for increase, for power, revelation, and ignition for excellence. And your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to be diving into something very special to my heart. And if I were to title this message, it would be The Last Man Standing. So if you're taking notes, let's go ahead and get into it. So we're going to go into John. This is the Gospel of John. Don't go to 1 John. Uh, John chapter 8, 
And this is going to be starting at verse 1 all the way to 11. I know it seems like a lot, but we're going to be breaking down certain parts of this of this message because it's something um, that needs to be brought out of uh, regarding each of these verses. So we're going to go ahead and read. And I'm going to make some pauses while we read so that we can get a full understanding of what's going on. And so starting in verse 1 of John chapter 8 says this. Then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. Now, this this is one thing I want to point out. Some of the worst accusers and some of the worst people that can be the enemy to your destiny, to your purpose, and even to what God has called you to be can be even our, some of the own people in our body of Christ. And so we see that it was in a temple that this happened. This was, um, this was in, in, in front of a, a holy place. I mean, there is said they were teaching at the temple. And so then the Pharisees, I don't know if you know what the Pharisees are. For those Bible scholars who don't know what the Pharisees are, it's, it's not this some um, uh, gang like the Bloods and Crips, okay? Uh, the Pharisees, um, they were this group of religious uh, Jewish men. They were all Jews, and they were priests. And these priests, uh, they uh, they studied the in, the entire stature of the laws. Like they're almost like the Supreme Court justices of the of of the Jewish faith. If you can think about that, because Supreme Court justices, they know the Constitution left and right. Um, they they know the law. They know what's there. They know the little bitty details. They know exactly the ins and outs. And that's the same thing that the Pharisees did. So the Pharisees, they'd studied something that was presented to the children of God that was meant to, it was originally meant to try to get man back on track. But instead, we see there is a role reversal that they're using this as a uh, as a standardized test, and here in Texas, you have um, the tax test. Oh, well, when I went went to school, it's a toss test and a tax test in other states, and they're probably called something else. But it's a standardized test, which means that you get to a certain grade in high school, and in order for you to graduate, in order for you to move to the next level in your life. You have to pass this test. And if you don't pass it, you don't graduate. And so instead of a, a test being used to gauge where you are, they're using this a test as a pass or a fail. And we're going to see the heart of God on this. And I know a lot of you have been church hurt, have been accused by even your own family, your own peers, maybe even your own pastors, maybe even ministers. Um... Uh, people uh, that said that they're people of God, but yet they brought you down into this low level and making you feel insignificant, making you feel like 
like God is so displeased with you and he just like, oh, uh, he just cannot stand the sight of you. I want to let you know and encourage you today that God loves you so much and he is so pleased with you no matter what. And I know a lot of people are like, why would you say that? You know, because we we cannot break the commandments. We cannot sin. Blah, 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 blah. I understand what the scripture says about sin. God hates sin, but yet God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to help us know who we are so we are not empowered to, okay, well, let me not sin because God's going to hate me. No, that new identity is I'm not going to sin because that's not who I am. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus presents us with the birthright, the birth certificate. We are co-heirs with Christ and we are called the sons of God. And if you don't believe me, it says all this in Romans 8. But that's just going on another another tangent. But I just want to let y'all know and be encouraged that God has a different heart on this issue. And we're going to see the line in the sand, so to speak. So... Going on, we see in verse four, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Okay. So we all, we all know that adultery is one of the, one of the 10 commandments. Y'all, you shall not commit adultery, which means that you shall not, um, basically, uh, cheat on your, your wife, your husband, your significant other, whoever it is, okay? And so there's a reason why, why of course, that's a sin. They're not going to get it and all that. But no, that's, that's the reason why they brought this, that this woman before, before Jesus. And the Pharisees, even though they were religious, even though they were waiting for their Savior, the Messiah, they didn't believe Jesus was, Christ was the Messiah uh, at that moment. They were like, well, this guy, he's claiming, do, doing all, trying to, he's sitting with all these, these lowly people. He's uh, eating with sinners. He's uh, eating with all these, uh, these, these people who are, you know, that you wouldn't think like are untouch, you know, they're untouchable. That's what I call them, the untouchables, the people that you wouldn't think uh, would be in church. You know, if Jesus Christ, uh, it was in this time period doing this thing. It would be the equivalent of him, um, you know, sitting in a table with a whole bunch of drug dealers, sitting in a table with a whole bunch of pimps and prostitutes. It would be him trying uh, to witness, uh, trying to uh, witness to gamblers and and all sorts of other stuff. He's not going to churches. He's going to the people who are broken. And so the Pharisees don't get this. And so they have this religious mindset. And I want to break this off of you. If you're a person that you are, are judgmental and you accuse people uh, based on based on scripture, you should not do that. The Bible is not meant to be a sword to cut down your own people. And I'm going to let everybody know that. Pastors, bishops, everything. It's not a sword to cut down your own people. The Bible is meant to be a mirror reflection. That was the last podcast I did. If you didn't look at it, look at it after this one. The podcast was look into the mirror. The mirror is scripture. The Bible will show you who you are. If you continue to show somebody who they are in the mirror, then they cannot become something else. If you tell them that they are contrary to what uh, they truly are, 
and you keep uh, giving them damnation and condemning them. In Romans 81, it says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if they're in Christ Jesus, yeah, they messed up. Yeah, they made a mistake. Don't beat them down while they're down. What you need to do is lift them up, how Jesus lift up this woman. And we're about to see this very shortly. Um, so then it says this in verse 5. This is how, I'm telling you, this is how the Pharisees are. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And so they're challenging him. It says in verse 6, they said this to test him. What did I say about standardized tests? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. And this is where we see something significant. Jesus bent down and wrote his finger on the ground. And verse 7 says this. Then when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, just in case y'all were uh, wondering what translation I'm reading, I am reading the New Revised Standard Version, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm actually not into King James today. I really love King James. I would really like to read what it says. Um, but I just like this this translation for this thing. Uh, it says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And so this is God. This is God in flesh. And this is the same person who um, delivered the Ten Commandments. He's the same person. Jesus, Jesus, the Father, Father, the Son, Um they're they're a tri God is a triune God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? This is Sunday school stuff. So this is God in human form. And he's looking at these religious guys persecuting this woman who broke a commandment that he had written, right? Okay? That is it was something it's not like Jesus Christ didn't know about the Ten Commandments. He was there. He, he was a whirlwind. He was a fire. He, he was the one who, who, who transcribed it in stone. Okay? He was there when Moses was there. He was there when the children of Israel. He was there from the beginning. All right? And it's so interesting to see this, that Jesus is just like, really? You don't get it. I can I can just really see with my own eyes. I can see Je I can almost see Jesus rolling his eyes. Not I mean I know a lot of us think I mean I mean we see that as like a you know a very uh, passive aggressive you know behavior very kind of uh, very negative thing. But I don't know. That's just in my mind. I mean that it doesn't it doesn't say that he did that. But I just see that's his attitude. Like, man, you really, you really just don't get it. Like, you do not understand. And so this is this is what the next thing is. And he said, "Let them, he who is without sin, cast the first stone." So what did he do? He basically said, "Okay, so you're telling me that this woman was caught in a very act of adultery, but you stand before me and you're telling me." That you are perfect. That's basically what he's saying. And so then it says uh, next that, and once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, okay, 
So it says when they heard that what he just said after he just he just stood up and was just like, okay, well, he was down saying cast the first stone, and then he went back down on the ground. And then it says when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Okay, now check this out. She was the last one standing. She was the last one standing. Why? Because Jesus stood with her. Actually, Jesus knelt and was doing something in the sand. And I'm going to give you a revelation on that because it's so awesome to see that. Jesus justifies an action of truth by saying, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. But then we see that the law disqualifies, okay? The law will usually, dis- will usually disqualify, especially if you're not following it. The law disqualifies while Jesus qualifies us. And so what does Jesus say to his wom- this woman? In verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And I like where it says in um in the new in the King James it says, "What where are thy accusers?" I think is what it says. Thy accuser. It actually uses the word accusers. And so I'm asking you the same thing today. Where are your accusers? I don't care who has said what. I don't care what negative thing was said about you. What negative uh action was done to you because they didn't like who you were, what you did, uh, all of that stuff. Even if you made a stupid mistake, we all make mistakes. We all make very dumb mistakes, but we can't let our mistakes define who we are. Because if you let the law define who you are by your mistakes, then you'll never know who you truly are. And therefore, you can't really move into your sonship because you're condemning yourself and disqualifying yourself because the law disqualifies you. But the law, even though it disqualifies you, Jesus is the one who qualifies you. He justifies you, okay? And so in verse 11 says, she said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. You see that? She was caught in the middle of adultery. She was thrown before him and Jesus and they're asking they're literally asking God okay so she broke this commandment she broke this thing that we're supposed to be following all the time and what does Jesus say after they leave neither do I condemn you where are your accusers but Jesus Christ even though he qualifies us He shows us who we are. How does he show her who she is? He says, go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. In the other version, it says, go and sin no more. It says, go and sin no more. He says, you know who you are. I'm not condemning you. Sin has no place in you. The reason why you shouldn't sin is because you're like, man, that's not who I am. That's stupid. Why, 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 would I, why would I do that? A son wouldn't do that. A son of God wouldn't do that. Romans 8, I'm talking about little s. A son of God wouldn't do that. 
if I, let me tell you this. This is the example that God is giving me right now. And I hope this really resonates in your spirit. Say my dad was a millionaire. And I had, I, I mean, I'm talking about, I have everything. As a son, I have inheritance. I have riches. I have all everything my father has, I have. That's how it works in the kingdom of heaven. Everything our God father has, he has. And he owns everything. So that means that there's a lot of things that we're not appropriating in our lives that belong to us. But that's another message in itself. But say, I'm, say my father's a millionaire and I have all the riches. I have everything that he has. And then my father, he's driving down the street in his, in his car, right? And where does he see me in the neighborhood? He sees me digging through a dumpster. Looking for food, digging through a dumpster, looking for a shirt to wear. And you know what my, my, in this scenario, what the father would do? He would get out of the car. He would go to the dumpster and just be like, why are you doing that? And then the, I will, and then I will respond with, oh, well, I, I need, I need sustenance. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I, I really don't. I really don't know who I am, Dad. And the father will be be questioning, like, "What are you talking about? Like, I have all this. I have all this for you. And why why are you going to this trash? I have so much in store for you. You don't even know your inherit. You don't even know the the half of your inheritance." Why are you going to garbage? Why are you going to trash? You know that if you eat out that trash, you're going to get sick. You know that if you wear those, those, those dirty, uh, dirty and, and, and nasty clothes, you're probably going to get sick. That's not good for you. I have what's good for you. Don't you know who you are? You're my son. That's a scenario that we see with God and us and sin. I struggle with some things. And the reason why I stopped was not because, oh, God is displeased with me. No, it's because God woke me up and said, hey, this is not you. Why are you doing this? It's garbage. It's trash. I have something way better for you. Why are you settling for less? Why are you going to a dumpster when you are a child of someone who has riches? And that's the truth. That's what, that's how God responds to sin. It's garbage. Don't dig in dumpsters spiritually. Don't go dumpster diving spiritually. Because you're going to get sick, whatever you consume, whatever you wear. Put on a garment of royalty. I would imagine that that rich father, he would, hey, come here, son, come here. Just go in the car. Here, I'm going to take you home. I have some, I'm going to get some clean clothes for you, and I want you to wear them. You're going to smell nice. You're going to look nice. You're going to, and you're going to, you're going to look just like me. And when, and, and I imagine that when, when I would do that, when, when I would finally put on that fresh, that fresh garb on, when I put that, that, that freshly ironed shirt, when I, when I'm, uh, when I, when I look at my father and I actually see myself like him, that's when I'm like, okay, I get it. 
he doesn't want me to go to that trash because he wants me to be just like him because he has better things for me. So realize that God always going to have something better for you. If you feel like you're struggling with an addiction with some kind of sin, you need to first figure out who you are. Because you you will never break that if uh, out of fear because fe- God does not operate through fear. So don't let no one scare you into quitting some addiction. You let the love of God transform your life. Because God does not give us what the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So let me give you this this awesome scenario. I know a lot of y'all are wondering, like, okay, this is awesome, but this is an awesome story. But what in the world was Jesus writing in the sand? And I'm gonna tell you. Uh, I was pondering about this myself. I pondered this all my life. I'm twenty. I'm just so, so y'all know. I'm 28 years old, about to turn 29 next month. And there is something so awesome about this, and I I really had to share it with you. Okay, so check this out. So remember that um, the Pharisees said to Jesus, "The law of Moses says that we shall not commit adultery," and then they just threw this woman in front of her. Um, so what was the law of Moses written on? It was written on stone. It's, it literally said God, I mean, I think it says an angel of the Lord or something, but basically just, just, just work with me. Just basically God wrote with his hand on these stones, these two stones, these two tablets. I mean, I guess they, I'm guessing there, there are five, of, uh, five commandments each, on two tablets. So, when Jesus writes in the sand, you know what I think he was writing? He was writing those same commandments. He's writing them. He's writing those same commandments. And. And I bet you're asking, God, Ambassador, why would he write the commandments in the sand? Was it to guilt trip the the naysayers, those for, uh, those uh, Pharisees? A lot of people say, oh, well, he wrote their sins in the sand. And and be, based on what uh, what Jesus did with her, even though they were accusing her, I don't think that he would point out their sins in the sand either. What he did was he wrote the commandments in the sand. Now, maybe their own conviction because of what he said, that he was out to sin, cast the first stone, their own conviction drew them away. But the thing about writing something on stone tablets is you cannot erase it. Can you erase a stone tablet? No, it's been written in a stone. That's why we have that, that what is it, uh, I don't know how, what word to say, it is uh, Adage, idiom, uh, written on stone. If it's written in stone, it means that that's what it's going to be no matter what. So we see God writing something in stone tablets, okay? And it's something that's just sticking like permanently, it seems. But then we see another scenario 
where God is in flesh and he's writing once more. And I think he's writing the same thing, but he's writing it in sand. And we're going to see the grace in this. Because when you write, have you ever went, wrote something in sand on the beach, like by the shore? Like saying like, I love you or something. Guess what? When those tides come, it sweeps it away. And or if you write it, write it like just like in a playground or something in the sand. It, the wind blows it away. And so that means that the law cannot be placed against us. Because whenever Jesus stands with us, he justifies us. So that we can be empowered to know who we are and not dive into the garbage. Not dive into the sin. Not dive into pornography. Not dive into adultery. Not dive into lustfulness. Not dive into, into uh, angry bouts. To not dive into just lying. That's why we don't do those things. And Jesus really shows the grace in this. Because I, I, I don't know, I have a picture in my mind. This is just in my mind. That when he grabbed her, well... And I well, I don't know if he grabbed her, but maybe he like I, I think he said he took her by the hand is what it said. But I don't know. But it just it's just so awesome that I think God is comforting her and I think the moment he comforts her, she probably sees those commandments in the sand and the wind is blowing it away. Not saying that the law didn't have any significance. I'm not saying that. The law was needed. The law is needed. But Jesus fulfilled the law so that we didn't have to be burdened by the finger of the law. Pointing at us, condemning us, making us feel just how these Pharisees had did to this woman. So I don't care what kind of opposition is in front of you. God is always going to be with you and you're going to be the last man standing you know what it says in psalms 91 psalms 91 it says a thousand may fall um a thousand may fall and a thousand may fall at your right but nothing will come nigh to you nothing will come near you nothing can touch you if god is with you who can be against you not even not even not even the law itself can bring you down. Because we even see the grace of God throughout Scripture with this law. Because I know David messed up tons of times. David was doing some ridiculous stuff. Adultery, lustfulness, lying, everything. But yet God honored his heart. Why? Because even though he messed up, he knew who he was. And he wasn't gonna settle for less, even though he, even though he messed up. He's like, you know what? God has greater things for me. And then that's why God can honor His name. You know that your name is great before God. Your name is great. God loves your name. What do we call Jesus? Uh, a starting kind of like going into the New Testament, Son of David. Well, what did the Bible say? 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. His name was great. Why? Because he had a heart. It's all, it's a, this is all condition of the heart. And I want y'all to understand this. That when you see that things are placed against you. And that even Satan. You know that the word Satan actually means, literally means the accuser. Lucifer means completely something different. Like the bearer of light or something. That's, that was his angelic name. Satan, the ultimate accuser. It literally means the accuser, okay? So it doesn't matter who the who the accuser is. Jesus is going to be your lawyer. He's going to be your defend, uh, uh, defense attorney. And he's going to stand with you no matter what. He's going to stand strong with you. He's going to present the evidence. And he's going to justify you. And because of that, you should be thankful. So let's thankful. Let's be thankful right now. Let's go in the spirit of thankfulness right now as we pray. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in your people. Lord, I just thank you that you're showing them who they are. Lord, they don't have to dive into some dumpster. They don't have to dive uh, spiritually into some mess over and over and over again but lord you are that rich father that brings them out of that heap and shows them and that they have a role of divinity that they have a cloak of righteousness that shows them and reveals to them that their identity helps them not to get into those things that they're being accused by those things that are getting them into these situations where people are going against them, that even their own negative thoughts are going against them, that even uh, Satan and demonic uh, um, footholds and activities are trying to go against them. But Father, they are no longer the devil's playground. They're no longer the devil's play toy. They're no longer a target of the enemy, but they are a son of, uh, a son and of the most high they are a son spiritually even those women that, that hear this right now they are a son spiritually a romans 8 son this is what we're talking about little s son you are a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people you are set apart you are different you are no longer to be accused you are no longer to be in a mess God is setting you free and he's writing it. It's almost like, see all the things that you, I want you to imagine this in yourself right now as we're praying that there is all of your sin, all of your sin being written in the sand and then the, the rush of the Holy Spirit's wind washes it away. And we thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus Christ, bring them into a shaking and awaking of who they truly are. No condemnation, no guilt, no shame. It is all wiped away. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Awesome. This is such a...
this is I'm so excited. I, I even have words. I'm like bubbling and stumbling and stuff. I, I don't care about being all this professional and stuff, but I just want to thank everybody, especially if you want to get an, uh, get connected with us on Twitter, you need to check out Kingdom Mindset. That is our Twitter handle. K-I-N-G Kingdom. Kingdom. K-I-N-G-D-O-M I-N-D-S-E-T Okay? And so then we also have um, our Facebook page, right? And we're trying to build on that. So work with us on that. That is God Ambassador Ministries. And then we also have our awesome website, y'all. Website, website. Website is www.godambassador.com. Godambassador, one word, .com. No hyphens, no slashes, no nothing. Godambassador.com. That belongs to us. And also check us out. We have a podcast. We're going to get on Stitcher, but we're on Apple iTunes. Peace out.